If for those of you who don't know me, I am Brandon, the youth intern here, which means I do a lot of youth stuff. I get to play the games, do the kids' lessons, and everything else that's incorporated in there. Uh, happy 4th of July. Yay, right? Um, it's great to be a young man on 4th of July and drink as much soda as I want. My indigestion isn't as bad as some of your guys's is. And I get to play with fire and blow something up. There's not much more fun than that. All right. So uh, as we get started, we're going to be a little bit off. We're going to go through Galatians 5 today instead of the normal mark you guys have been going through. And I have here my car keys. So I want everybody to kind of think back to that time where you got your license or your first car, that freedom it gave you. For me, my first car was a Dodge Ram. It was this big truck. It was a gas guzzler. For some of you, it may have been a smaller car, or maybe it was a big truck, or a muscle car, or a motorcycle. For some of you who are a little bit older, maybe it was a Model T. <laughs> For some of you, maybe even a dinosaur. I'm not quite sure what it was, but when I turned 16, I got my Dodge Ram, and two days into having the truck, uh, I was coming back from a football game. We met at the high school, and then we drive to a local pizza place. So it was Zito's, this little pizza place out in Orange. So, you know, we got to the pizza place about 10. I left about midnight. I'm 16 years old, clean-shaved and everything. And I come out, and I get ready to make a left. I only live about two miles from the pizza place. So made a left onto the street called Meats. And then as I was getting ready to turn left again um, onto my into my neighborhood, I saw those lovely flashing red and blue lights. As you can guess, I was scared half to death. I'd only been driving for two days. And he came up to the car and the police officer asked the normal thing, right? He goes, so what, what have you done wrong? And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, I was driving with one hand because I was trying to wave, wash off the windshield because it was foggy and I didn't know how to do the defrosters. And he's like, nope. And sitting there thinking, I can't think of what's going on. He goes, you forgot to turn on your lights. <laughs> so I like hit my head against the driving, the steering wheel, because I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot it. And so he asked for my license registration, and he went back to the car. I'm sitting there like shaking. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to call my parents. I'm not going to be able to drive for a year. It's going to be horrible. I don't know what to do. And uh, he comes back. He gives me my license registrations, and he goes, all right, just, can you turn your lights on? I was like, yeah, and I showed him I turned my lights on. He's like, all right, I see you don't live far. Get home safe. And I got home safe. I, you know, went to my room. I didn't tell my parents this may actually be the first time they're hearing this story. <laughs> just to make it more fun. <laughs> now that I'm living out of the house, I'm not afraid of them taking my license in my car, so it's not as bad to tell it. But I was so afraid I was going to lose that freedom I got, right? When you first get that car, you can make your own schedule. You're not relying on a friend driving you around, your parents. Or you don't have to possibly ride your bike and even worse, maybe even walk somewhere. You get this freedom. And I was so afraid of it being taken away that I didn't want to tell what was going to happen. And, you know, today we're going to talk about how as Christians we are set free and what we are set free from. We're going to talk about a couple things we're set free from. So if you open to Galatians chapter 5, we're going to kind of start and work our way through. We're first going to talk about freedom in verse 1. 
It says in verse one here, I'll give everybody a second to get to Galatians 5, or to look up on the screen. They're big words. We are, oh, oh, nope, that's not where I'm going. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So how is, as Christians, are we set free? We are set free from a yoke of slavery. I don't know how many of you guys know what an animal yoke is. It should be a picture that comes up here shortly. As you can see, it goes around the animal's head and it holds the animal in place. A lot of times it's more than one animal. It's two or possibly more. Animals don't like to walk straight. They want to kind of divert and do their own thing. But this, this yoke, it hinders them. It keeps them under control. And even when they try to pull away from it, it'll choke them. It'll do harm to them. That's what sin does to us. When you try to pull away from it, it pulls you back in. And Paul is telling us, we don't have this yoke anymore. As Christians, this yoke is gone. We don't have this weight. We don't have this sin bearing us down. Remember, sin is anything in defiance of God. We can interchange it with the word flesh. It's not choking us anymore. We have the Holy Spirit that allows us to walk in freedom. We aren't choked out. We don't have this sin. We don't have this Jewish law that we have to try to hold our standards to. And Paul is not just telling us in this verse that this, this yoke is off of us, but he's also telling us here, stand firm. There's a positive. Stand firm and do not submit again. Right? He's giving us this thing, this positive. We get to not have this thing on anymore, and then we get to stand firm against it, to not submit to it. Right? And some of the simple ways you can do that as you walk in the Spirit is you know, reading your Bible, praying, connecting with others through fellowship. But it's not just saying those things. It's not just kind of half-heartedly doing it, part of routine. It's actually doing it with a heart of intent. Right? That's important there, that you are doing this with a heart of intent. So he's, he set us free. And Jesus set us free. One thing he set us free from was the law, the Jewish law. And that's what we're going to read about in our next section, section, verses 2 through 12. Uh, starting off in verse 2, you see, I, Paul, say that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who, who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Remember, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, but the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In this, the case of the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. So how, as Christians, are we set free? Well, we are justified in salvation alone through Jesus. There is no law hanging over us anymore. If you don't know what the law is, it's some 600 uh, laws that the Jewish people were given that they had to try to maintain, right? Um, as you may know, it's not possible to maintain these 600 laws. They're very tedious and hard to do. And again, their way to heaven wasn't through these laws. It was through their faith and their relationship with God. And as you take a little bit closer look at verses two through six, it talks about this thing of circumcision, right? And what it's talking about there is circumcision was a reminder to the Jewish people from God that he was cutting away the evil from their hearts, 
right? And, and they weren't doing that. And, and Paul is mentioning this, referencing a verse here in Jeremiah 9, 24 through 26 says, but let him who boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. Egypt, Judah, Judah, Edom, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all who dwell in the desert will cut the corners of their hair, for all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in their heart. Paul is pointing towards this. This is what these guys were doing. These, uh, they're called Judaizers. They were taking the church of Galatia and throwing them off their gain. They were adding to stuff, and they weren't circumcised in their heart. They were full of pride. They were full of just this thing where they were thinking, I am amazing, I am it, I am better than the Gentiles, I am a step above the normal Christian because I am circumcised, right? When really they weren't amazing. They were full of pride in their heart and they were lying to everyone else around them and themselves. And, and is there any place in your life where you do that? Where you're full of pride, you show this outward appearance of I'm great, everything's fine, but really in your heart, you know it's messed up. If so, I, I, I urge you to reach out to God for help, right? That's the first step in this program. The next step is to go to a fellow brother or sister in Christ, someone who can hold you accountable, someone who's there to help keep you out of that area, right? And, and we can go into this thing as uh, lying to yourself and to others. That's an old, a whole sermon all of its own. Uh, but we will not go into that today. We know lying is wrong. It doesn't lead to a good spot. So I, I had mentioned earlier, I do a lot of youth stuff, right? So being in the youth, for some of you who do know, I am very competitive. I like to win. I don't like to lose. And I like to prove to the junior high and high schoolers that I am bigger, I am stronger, and I am faster and more athletic. And when I can't do that, I will manipulate the rules just a little bit in the gray areas. Um, but what these Judaizers were doing in the church, they weren't just taking like the little gray areas and pushing it up and down. They were taking them and they were completely twisting it up. They were adding new stuff to doctrine and they were messing with God's word. And, and Paul takes offense to that. And we're gonna see what he does, right? So these Judaizers, they were hindering this church in Galatia. They're taking it and possibly it could separate. It can do horrid things. Pastor Joe has told me this math problem. Relax, it's not a hard one. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And Again, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And that's not what these guys were doing. They're doing Jesus plus circumcision equals everything or Jesus plus religious laws equal everything. And they were taking it and they were manipulating what God's word says, which is just justification through faith alone. It's not justification through your works, right? But we do that too. We do Jesus plus something equals everything sometimes. Maybe it's Jesus plus prosperity equals everything. Maybe it's Jesus plus certain technologies that equal everything, or it's Jesus plus your political affiliation equals everything, or it's Jesus plus the perfect type of bathing suit that holds everybody accountable at a youth party equals everything. When that's not the way it is. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And Paul tells him, he goes, all right, all right, hold on. 
if you want to be held to the standard of the law, good luck. Let's see you try to maintain all these laws. I know I couldn't. I, I don't know how many of you have tried going without sinning for a long period of time. Uh, I get like five minutes in, I've already, that's a new record, right? It's, um, it's hard, right? But if we could work our way to heaven, which is what these guys were saying they can doing, by adding in laws, they're saying, I can do it, I can make my way to heaven on my own. I can do it, I am good enough, right? But being good enough is a subjective term. If you are good enough, whose eyes are that in? Is that in your family's eyes, your spouse's eyes, your friend's eyes? Because if it's in God's eyes, which are objective, then you aren't good enough. You need Jesus to do it, right? Because if we were good enough to work our way to heaven, there'd be no need for Jesus. He wouldn't have needed to come. But we aren't good enough. So we need Jesus. We need to accept that we do wrong and that he is there to mend the relationship for us. It is not through us. It is through him. And we can't work our way to God. It's through his grace alone that he gave us Jesus as the only way to heaven. So are, are your guys' hearts uncircumcised like these Judaizers? Where you're holding on to pride, where you're holding on to sin, you're holding on to something that's not allowing Jesus to come in and take control. Again, to kind of finish out this, uh, this notion of the law, Paul talks in Galatians 5, 12, he gives very, very harsh criticism to this group, probably some of the, the harshest criticism. He says this, Galatians 5, 12, I wish those who unsettle you would have emasculated themselves. He is so angry at these people who are deceiving this church, who are adding false doctrine, probably would eventually split the church if it goes wrong. <laughs> he wants them to emasculate themselves. No more manhood. They might as well die. And, and as we add from God's word, that's coming from the flesh. That's not coming from the spirit. That's coming from us. That's coming from sin. Remember, the flesh is the old body. That's the thing we got rid of. As we go through, we're gonna keep continuing in. So I was, well, that was a few years ago. So I was sitting at my cousin's birthday party uh, she was turning 16, and I was on a diet at the point. I go through phases where I go on and off diets, and sitting in front of me was this delicious piece of chocolate cake. And I really wanted to eat this piece of chocolate cake, but I didn't want to eat this piece of chocolate cake. I don't know if any of you have ever been there before. <laughs> and it's sitting right in front of you, and you're like, I want to eat it. And eventually I did give in and eat it and probably got a second piece as well. But that's what dealing with sin is like, right? If you stay there, if you stay near it, you're gonna give in to it. If you're not getting away from it, then you're just gonna give in and probably go back for more. That's not what we're trying to do. So as we go through, we're gonna go 13 through 21. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you wanna do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, 
jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warned you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So how as Christians are we set three? Well, he says it here in verse 16. If you look back at it, as Christians, as you walk in the spirit, you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. That yoke is no longer on you. The spirit is with you. The sin is not holding you down. Right? And as you walk by the Holy Spirit, you won't give in to the desires of the flesh. You won't want to do it as much. You're gonna hold away from it. And that's an amazing gift that God gives us. I don't know how many of you have ever gone up to camp with students before, but they have this thing called a camp high. And what it is, is you go up for a week and you're immersed into God's creation. It's everywhere, it's great. And what's going on is you're up there, there's amazing speakers, great worship, and everybody is pointing you towards Jesus constantly. You're, you're not in this huge busyness of life. And while you're up there, everything's amazing, um, it gets very emotional. You, you run on like three hours of sleep for the whole week. And I hear the like, some of the junior high and high school girls tell me they cry at least once a week. I normally cry at least 10 times a week when I go up to camp. But when you come back down, there's this busyness to it. And you get back into life and you just sin. The camp high is gone. And you're just, you're just back into the world and you give into the flesh. And if you look back at verse 13, it's warning us of that. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity of the flesh, but through love serve one another. See, just because you're a Christian does not give you this hall pass to sin. You don't get this ability just to go and sin whenever you want. Because if you see, the more you sin, the more you lose control of your choice to sin or not to sin. Right In John 8, 34, Jesus answered them saying, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, someone who's trying to be like Jesus, if you're practicing sin, are you showing you're like Jesus? Are you showing you're ungodly? Because as believers, we're hold, held to a higher standard. We're not only supposed to love our neighbors, which is hard enough as it is, remember neighbors is everyone, but you're supposed to serve them, which is even harder, right? And, and Jesus says it here in Luke, as he's talking in Luke chapter 22, verses 26 through 27, but not so with you, rather let the greatest one among you become as the youngest and the leader as the one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it the one who not only reclines at the table, but am I among you as the one who serves? See, Jesus is telling them, that he came to serve. He didn't come to be served. Now, Jesus came to earth to die on a cross, a horrible death for each one of you, so you can have a relationship with him and go and spend eternity with him instead of in hell. Right, that, that's what he did. And, and he's telling us how he served and we need to serve like he does. Because otherwise we're like the ungodly, like it talks about in here in verse 15, it says, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Doesn't it sound like animals? Like on a National Geographic special or something? Watch how you bite and devour others. And we have this notion of survival of the fittest. No wonder. You see, because if we're treating each other like that, it says you're doing no better than the ungodly. 
if you are out there for yourself only, that pride is kicking in, it's the first thing, then you're not out there to serve others. You're out there to serve yourself. You gotta look and make sure you're not doing that. So we keep going along. We get Galatians 5, 16, 17. And 18 says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. These two things are totally against each other. It's like two rival football teams. It's like the Broncos against the Chiefs. It's, they're against each other, right? They're not out there to work together. They're out there to go and win. And Paul talks kind of about the law a little bit again. It's something he doesn't like. It's something that weighs you down. And it's not a mean of salvation. Remember, Jesus is the only way. We are, when you are saved, you are adopted in his family, Galatians 3.26. And to live by law and legalism is to suppress the Holy Spirit. And it's not to walk in the Spirit, but it's to walk in the flesh and the pride and saying, I can do it, I, I can handle it. It's not God, it's me. And that's not the way to live. We don't want to walk in sin. See, the flesh we talked about, it's this old body. As a Christian, you're born again. This old body is gone. You're not supposed to go back to it. You're supposed to get away from it. Though we see there's a desire to fall back into sin. And what do you do when you fall back into sin? Because we're all going to do it at some point. Do you rely on yourself to get out? Because if you do, it's like being in a hole and digging and digging and digging, and you keep making it deeper and deeper and deeper. Can't get out when really you should be reaching out to God for help, reaching out to people, again, to keep you accountable in that area. Because we know where sin goes. It says it here, the works of the flesh, sin is evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enemies, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that if you do those things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I don't watch the news much because it's kind of depressing, but these kind of seem like the things that are prevalent there when I do watch it. And it's sad to see as we go away from God, as we go away from the spirit, that this is what's occurring as a culture. So how again, are, as Christians, are we set free? Well, we're set free from destroying each other, essentially. When you go into sin, you're gonna destroy each other. You're gonna destroy yourself. But instead we get to walk by the spirit of God and do his works. We get to do it. It's not a have to. We get to do God's good work. We get to be part of the plan. And I want to talk more about that as we go through the last section here, verses 22 through 26. It says this, Galatians 5, 22 through 26. But, of the fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, sorry, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. So how are we set free? We are set free to get to walk and use the fruit of the spirits as a gift that God gives us. Right? We get these, the fruit so we can go and we can have this freedom. We get the keys to the car. We get to be able to do God's work. We don't get stuck in this bog of sin and this bog of these rules that we have to comply by, but we get set free to do God's work and show our fruits. We each have different fruits that show brighter. About a week ago, I was getting boba 
boba is like this little tapioca ball and some tea and stuff like that. For those of you who don't know, it's a younger culture thing. But um, so I was getting boba and, and working with kids for the last six, seven years, my ears are always open. I can hear most conversations that are going on, uh, which is kind of eavesdropping, but at the same time, my brain has translated itself to do it. So I'm sitting there and I hear these two girls about my age talking and one of them is talking to her friend and she's like, I don't know if this guy is biblical or not. I, I don't know if, you know, I wanna move forward with dating him. I, I gotta talk to my preacher, I gotta talk to this. And Brandon not being very well versed in talking to the female side of the, the people <laughs> walks over and he goes, not to interrupt, to interrupt, but not to interrupt, but it's very awkward. Um, I go, if he is not showing his fruits, if he is showing anger and pride, then he is not someone you want to date. He is someone you want to get away from. And her friend goes, yeah, that's right. And she's like, yeah, thank you. And I walked away more awkwardly than I even walked into the conversation. <laughs> Again, Brandon is learning. He's felt like I was talking to junior hires. It was something else. But, but as Christians, we're going to show that fruit. We're not going to show those other things. We're gonna show that we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't think I missed one. Uh, we can show those things. They're naturally occurring proof that you are a Christian. These are not naturally occurring in people who are away from God. They are that survival of the fittest. I'm gonna do what gets me into place, not what gets God into place, not to do his work, not to serve one another, not to love one another, but to put me into place. The fruits are things of God. Remember, the, fret, the flesh is against the spirit. They're not together. There is no subjective truth. There is an objective truth given by God. And, and as we get these fruits, we get the guidance of the Holy Spirit that leads us as you chase Jesus. I don't know if you've ever talked to somebody before like I did those young ladies, but how you like, you answer a question, you're like, I did not know the answer to that question. Thank you, because that was the Holy Spirit leading. That wasn't just you. That was allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. We have this freedom. We're set free to do the will of God. In verse 24, we are called to crucify the flesh. Let me give a simple biology lesson. Things don't like to die. When you put a normal person up on a cross and you nail them down, they're gonna fight back. They're not gonna die easily. That's what the flesh is gonna do. That's what sin's gonna do. When you go to nail it down, it's gonna fight back. And you're gonna have to figure this out. You're gonna have to what's called crucify the flesh, right? If I walk up into an area that's gonna you know, put me in more deposition to sin, I gotta crucify the flesh. Say to myself, crucify the flesh, crucify the flesh, right? You gotta fight it. You gotta fight it. It's, it's a yoke trying to push you back down. You gotta stand firm against it. Because if you don't, you're gonna go back to the old body. And at that point, are you really showing you're a Christian? What are you showing? You gotta crucify that flesh, that, that sin. And for each of you, what sin do you need to crucify? Which one do you need to pray to God about? Which one is hindering your life right now? So we go forward, Galatians 25 and 26. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, another, envying one another. As you see, Paul kind of wraps up everything in these last two verses. We're to live by the Spirit, and we're supposed to keep in line with the Spirit. But when you let sin and these laws and the flesh take control, 
then you're becoming conceited. You're provoking one another. You're gonna devour one another. You're gonna bite one another. You're gonna be pushing towards them. You're not gonna be pushing towards God. You're gonna be pushing towards yourself. I can do it. I can make my own way. I don't need God. See, a prideful heart is a strong thing. That comes easy. A humble heart is the hard thing to do. So we kind of close out here, Galatians chapter five. There's, there's these three things as Christians, we are set free from. First, we're set free from the law, the standard we can't meet, we cannot obtain it. Jesus sets us free from this law through his grace. He came and he died on a cross for each one of you. And, and we're not to be like the Judaizers and add our laws into his word. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. There's nothing else to it. And, and when you do add to it, you're adding new rules. You're saying, I am better. My pride is kicking into it. Right? And, and that's going into the flesh. And that's the second thing we're set free from. We're set free from sin, a life of sin, where you act like an animal. You're eventually gonna lose control. And you're gonna end up in this whole bin of badness. And it's gonna be horrid. And you don't wanna do that. Because acting in sin, we've seen where that goes. We're seeing where it's going. Third, we get this amazing gift. We're set free to do God's will. We get this gift, the fruit of the spirit to do what God asks us to do. It's an amazing thing. And we get to bless each other with these gifts or we get to fulfill God's work. Walking in the spirit, it's so amazing. It's so freeing. It's like getting your car for the very first time. There's no feeling quite like it. And if you're not walking in the spirit, I'd like to invite you and pray for you to invite, to pray, to ask Jesus to come into your life and to walk by the spirit so he can give you the gifts of the spirit so you can bless others around you. Let's pray. Lord, I I thank you for uh, everything we have going on here. There's so many amazing things. I thank you for... uh, the worship team, I thank you for all of our pastors here. I thank you for our congregation and the kids' ministry. Uh, we pray for everyone. We pray for those people who don't know you. We pray for those sins that are trying to get into our life that you can help us crucify them to break, break them down. I, I, I pray as we uh, get ready to take communion here that we remember what you did for us, what you sacrificed for each one of us. I pray as we uh, leave today as well, a little bit later, that we just remember all the sacrifices you did and everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.